We give glory and honor to God for granting us this opportunity to share with you this is Adventist Soul Radio, the voice of hope. Welcome, my dear listener, to this promising session of the New Life Program. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mangi. Lady Acheng is on standby with the family segment today. She will give more marriage tips from Proverbs. Pastor Stanton Witherspoon will also be joining us during the Bible session to talk about being true to who you are. Kurasini Church Choir will start us off with the song Jerusalem. Karibu. This is Adventist Soul Radio, the voice of hope. It is now time for the family of segment. Join me as I welcome Lydia Achim. Be blessed. Dear listener, welcome to today's Family Life program. Today we are going to share more tips from Proverbs. Let us pray. Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the listeners that are listening right now. I pray that they may be blessed through this marriage message and that our families and our marriages may be pleasing before your eyes. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
You can't get a much better marriage manual than God's word. Today we'd like to expand upon this concept. The first tip we'd like to give you today is to begin the marriage with God. Right from the start, the Bible says, In the beginning, God. He is to be the strengthening force in the cord of three strands, which is talked about in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Seriously consider the promises you are making in the marriage covenant relationship you are entering into. Marriage is for grown-ups, and so, don't marry if you can't approach marriage by giving it your all. Be strong in your stand to be promise keepers, not promise breakers. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 25 says, It is a trap for a man to dedicate something rashly and only later to consider his vows. As the commentary in the Life Application Study Bible says, To dedicate something meant that you intended to give it as an offering to God. Dedicated means set apart for religious use. This proverb points to the evil of making a vow rashly and then reconsidering it. God takes vows seriously and requires that they be carried out. You should read Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 21 to 23. Steve and I found ourselves feeling trapped earlier in our marriage. We thought we were marrying for the right reasons because we loved each other, only to find out that our ideas of love were shaky. We should have researched more about what marriage was really about and prepared more for our marriage than we did for our wedding. Our idealistic love fell short when trouble started to pile up and life began to separate us from truly loving each other as we needed to. Thankfully, we eventually turned towards the Lord to help us and he helped us to turn toward each other and learn what we needed to rebuild a great marriage. We urge you, if you're considering marrying, to make sure that you both have the moral character, dedication, and a persevering attitude to do what it takes to keep your love alive and your marriage healthy. Don't marry if you aren't both willing to give the way the Lord would show you. Married life has a way of bringing out the worst in each of us at times. But the Lord, whose very name means love, can show us how to love each other as we should. He who pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. That's found in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 21. And Proverbs chapter 30, verse 21 through 23 tells us that under three things the earth trembles, and one of them is an unloved woman who is married. Men, don't marry unless you intend to continue showing your future wife the love she needs, not the love you need. And if you're married and have stopped, begin again. Today can be a new beginning. Infuse humor into your marriage. Life is serious, but sometimes we take it more seriously than we should or could. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 22 says, A cheerful heart is good like medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Make sure that you aren't crushing the spirit of your spouse and family. And on the other side of things, don't be so easily offended that you can't see the humor in life. Diffuse that which really won't matter a hundred years from now. Sometimes when life is painful, Steve and I have to look long and hard to find that which we can laugh about. But when we finally find it, it's worth its relationship strength, weight, in gold. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart and good news gives health to the bones. That's found in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 30. Listen, listen, listen. God gave you two ears and one mouth. Use it accordingly. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. He who answers before listening, that is folly and his shame. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. That's found in Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 11 and Proverbs chapter 18 verse 13. 
Watch the friendships you keep. Someone may have been a good friend to you before marriage, but that doesn't mean that they are a good friend afterwards. Some friendships can become toxic with time and differing circumstances. When you marry, you are to give up your single-minded lifestyle to be inconsiderate to your partnership. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat, for drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. That's found in Proverbs chapter 23 verse 20 and 21. Also, let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 23 verse 29 to 35. The combination of all these verses tells us to choose our friends and our recreation and self-medication wisely. It could hurt you and your marriage. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 33 through 34 says, "Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning, for there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself." That's found in Proverbs chapter 26 verse 4. Just because your spouse spouts off It doesn't mean that you have to participate also. As the old saying goes, two wrongs don't make it right. In Noah's day, everyone else was doing a lot of things, but everyone else was wrong. The flood proved that. And the one who did right in God's eyes, Noah, was eventually rewarded for not giving in to the pressure surrounding him. It's the same in marriage. Sometimes our spouse does or says something they shouldn't. and they direct it at you when really they're releasing pressure built up from other circumstances it's more about them than it's about you as john maxwell said look beyond the person for the problem always remember that hurting people overreact overexaggerate and overprotect themselves when a person's reaction is out of line or larger than the issue at hand the response is almost always about something else Try to rise above the emotional turmoil your spouse is creating and don't join in by spouting off back at them. You're just adding to the problem. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That's found in Proverbs chapter 15 verse 1. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17. In marriage, keep in mind that all arguing isn't problematic. It can sometimes help you to work through differences that are dividing your relationship. A meeting of minds can help people see their ideas with new clarity, refine them and shape them into brilliant insights. This requires discussion partners who can challenge one another and stimulate thought. People who focus on the idea without involving their egos in the discussion, people who know how to attack the thought and not the thinker. Two friends who bring their ideas together can help each other become sharper. If you don't have a marriage partner that will be this kind of friend to you at this time, keep praying and trying. Persevere in the way that you know God would have you. And if for this season of your marriage your partner remains distant, ask the Lord to be your friend in the ways that you need it or lead you to healthy ways to relieve the pressure you're experiencing. We pray these tips will minister to your marriage and to your life. This material is provided by Marriage Missions International. Until next time, God bless you. We appreciate those who have given us their thoughts concerning this program. We are here just for you. For those who have never communicated to us, you can start today by writing to the producer 
Adventist All Radio, P.O. Box 42276-00100, Nairobi, Kenya. Our email address is awrnairobi at ek.adventist.org. Here's a song, Najuta, by Kurasini Church Choir. to the Bible segment. Join me as I welcome Pastor Stanton. Hello and a very warm welcome to you, my listener. I am Pastor Stanton Willisborn, and I'm going to take you on this Bible lecture series. You see, brothers and sisters, It's so easy for us as Christians, whenever we find ourselves alone, to slip into our past and feel so depressed, so down, so stressed. And those things that we cannot control, we feel sad, we cry, and we just feel bad on ourselves. Also, it is too easy whenever we are alone to jet into our future and feel so anxious about things yet to come, most especially so anxious about when the Lord will come. But brothers and sisters, we miss a mark. As we go about our daily lives, we miss our current state, our current state of affairs where we find ourselves in. Whenever we are alone, that is the moment we are at peace. We find peace, joy, and happiness in every single moment we find ourselves. It is my prayer, and and it's my prayer that as we go about our daily lives, brothers and sisters, let us always remember to know that life is a moment, and that moment, whenever we find ourselves, and we are conscious of that moment. Today, we're going to look at um, 
a very interesting topic from the book of Acts. You see, most often Christians tend to feel jealous and so we tend to look at our, our brothers and sisters who have been used in the service of God and they have been used mightily and we tend to feel so jealous in some way or somehow about them or how the Lord is using them. But we forget to know that each one of us has our own audience and our audience needs special messages from us also. So whenever we find or whenever we see our brothers or our sisters in the church or wherever we find ourselves being used in certain dimension in the work of God, we are not to feel jealous. We are not to look at them in another direction. A very interesting story is told in the book of Acts, you know, during Paul's second missionary joining. He spent much of his time at Ephesus. And in Ephesus, Ephesus was a city full of um, sorceries and evil men. These things were, be done, were being done for their daily uh, living. And um, Paul was there to be able to penetrate and to be able to take the message to these people. During his second missionary journey, according to the accounts of uh, Luke, we see that Paul spent much of his time in Ephesus teaching and helping the Christians there. In, verse, in Acts chapter 19, verse 11 to 16 or 17, that's a very interesting uh, story there. We see Paul being used mightily, even to the extent that his um, handkerchiefs or his um, aprons were being used to, be, to heal the sick people in the surrounding areas. And other evil men who saw the works of Paul was very envious of how Paul's uh, uh, ministry was going. So, in themselves, they tend to use the same means or medium through which Paul was using. There were some group of men called, they called themselves the sons of Siva. These Jewish guys came together and said, If Paul is using the name of Jesus to be able to heal the sick and to be able to uh, win others to him and to be able to get the crowd, we also can use the same name, Jesus, to also get our ways, uh, to get our means accomplished. So they came together, gathered themselves, went from house to house, talking and preaching in the name of Jesus also. An incident happened one day when, a, when they met a man who was possessed with some demons. They used the name Jesus Christ to rebuke this man who was demon-possessed. And to their surprise, this man spoke out. And this is what he said. He said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? That's Acts chapter 19, verse 15, B. But who are you? I know Jesus. I know Paul. But I don't know you guys. Who are you? This is the demon speaking to these guys. And verse 16 tells us that, Then the man in whom the evil spirit was, was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Brothers and sisters, they didn't... These guys didn't know exactly who Jesus was. And they tried to use the name of Jesus to be able to get the means and accomplish. But to their surprise, there was a checkpoint. Most often as Christians today, we tend to use the name Jesus for our own personal gain. We use the name Jesus to get across, to get some things accomplished for our own selves without knowing Jesus. I'll give to you, brothers and sisters, four aspects of how 
Some of us use the name of Jesus for our own glory, but God also wants us to use the name of Jesus for his glory. In order for us to use the name of Jesus for God's glory, for God to be used, for God to be able to use us for his glory, we must be people of integrity, people subject to his will, people of good standing in a society, people that others can look up to for advices, people who walk in the light of Jesus. For God to use us, brothers and sisters, we must be able to demonstrate our faith through repentance, not just repentance, but true repentance. As men and women in the society, of, uh, as we lead others to Christ, as we direct others to Jesus Christ, our own self should be checked. We should be able to go through that process of truth, true repentance and confession to Christ. That all of us will be out and our Christ will be inside of us. Also, brothers and sisters, for God to use us, we must be able to seek to manifest. We should be able to seek to manifest his name of the Lord Jesus Christ wherever we go. John chapter 3 verse 30 tells us that wherever we go, brothers and sisters, Christ should be seen in our footstep. Christ should be seen in our work. Christ should be seen in our speech. Christ should be seen in everything we do. Remember now, whenever we are alone, we tend to slip into our past or our future. And these things that we cannot control, we cannot control our past, neither our future we can control. You see, then we miss the mark, the point that we can control. Our current state, our present status, where you are right now, in the car, in your home, on your bed, wherever you are listening to this message, that is the moment that you can control. You are not promised the next few hours from now. What you promise is now. And what you can make use of is now. As we reflect, as we go through these words today through our daily activities or as we relax and retire from the day's toll, let us remember that we cannot in our own self, we cannot manipulate God. If we tend to see how God is using others in his vineyard and we have that same desire, that same passion to be used by God, maybe we have, a diff we have another audience, we have another direction of which we ought to focus on. Let us be able to look to God who is the author and finisher of our faith. Brothers and sisters, how God used ordinary men in the Bible to propagate his message. Men were very, very true to themselves. And to true to God. If you look through the Bible, the Bible, there are several um, instances where God used his prophets to be able to send out his messages. However, amongst them, there were few who thought they could manipulate God because probably they were in the service of God. And because being in the service of God, you can do whatever you want. I'll just single out two individuals for us as we close this message. You see, Eli, or Eli you may call him, in the Old Testament, he felt that he, because he was in the service of God uh, before God and as a judge of the children of Israel between the, the children and God, he felt that he was in the service of God. And whatever he could do was going to go by the way. His sons, the attitudes of his sons, was not of a person who was close to God. Eli felt so relaxed so free to the extent that his sons could do every other thing that they wanted to do without even conscientizing them. And we saw the results of Eli, brothers and sisters. He thought that maybe being in a service, it could have saved him, it could have saved his children also. But at the end result, Eli died. He died a painful death. If you also look at the servant David, David was called the man after God's heart. In as much as David was called the man after God's heart, David did many awful things in the sight of God. 
But because of David's true repentance to God, because of David's sincerity to God, we see that David was called the man after God's heart. Today, will you be called the person after God's heart? After going through all of the things that you're going through to, uh, these days, or after going through all of life. Uh, ups and downs, living in a society that is so anti-Christian, can you be called a person after God's heart? As we close, as we close, brothers and sisters, I want you to remember that whatever we do today, we cannot manipulate God. Waking up in the morning, faking our prayers, all of these things, we cannot manipulate God. If we want God to use us, remember, let us be people of integrity, people of true repentance, and people who are true to themselves. May God bless you as you meditate on these words, for Christ's sake. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you, dear God, for such a wonderful opportunity given to your sons and daughters to be able to listen to such a wonderful message like this. It is my prayer, O God, as we go about our daily lives, let us remember that you are in charge and that life is a moment and that we cannot manipulate you. We cannot uh, twist and turn or fake anything because you are all-knowing God. We pray sincerely from our hearts, O God, that you make us children of integrity, children of true repentance to you, O God, that you be able to use us fully in your service and in your vineyard. We give our lives to you. We give ourselves to you. Use us according to your will, and let your name be glorified in our lives. It is my prayer, O Lord, that your light will continue to shine in our lives and that we will be your lights in this world. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. It has been nice having your company. In case you have any views, comments or questions about the show, Please send them to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276, code 00100Nairobi, Kenya. Our email address is awr at ek.adventist.org. Until next time, I've been a host, friend and presenter, Samuel Mangi. <laughs> Oh
Oh 